0: To the sophium podcast with your host kyle and today we'll be discussing a metaphysical question uh, found in plato's text the sophist uh, as well as Theaetetus, and that question is whether or not being can be right so you know there's a lot of questions regarding whether being cannot be or whether or not being can be so we're going to be discussing uh, whether not being can be, um, you know, so cannot being be or, you know, what are some reasons that Plato uh, suggests that not being cannot be, you know, all this and more will be discussed in this podcast. Um, I'm not quite sure if you can actually find Theaetetus and the sophist online, but if you can't, you can always go to your local library or you can always just buy the book. It is called Plato Theaetetus. Uh, and the Sophists, uh, with an English translation by Harold North Fowler, uh, published by the Harvard University Press, Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, London, England, published in 1921. Um, so it's it's like a little green book. Um, not much to it, uh, but basically the first half of the book uh, is a dialogue uh, in regards to Theotitis, and the second half of the Uh, regards to the sophists and just searching for the sophists and this book is uh, quite interesting because uh, the left side of each page is uh, in greek and the right is translated or yeah obviously is an english translation of the greek Uh, so if you can get your hands on this book i highly recommend it uh, because uh, it's not an easy read but i think it's it's feasible for anyone in philosophy that uh, wants to dip their toes in ancient philosophy, uh, as it's an interesting uh, discussion uh, specifically on like metaphysical metaphys- questions on like not being other, the same uh, being, you know, um, as well as if you read um, Plato's, uh, Plato's other text, The Republic, and uh, you studied a lot about um, the divided line, you can really find uh, many Uh, Not only analogies, but you can always use that skill found in the divided line by uh, applying it here and actually understanding what Plato (laughs) is uh, talking about here in the Sophist. So there's there's a lot of connections between the divided line and um, this search for the Sophist, uh, which you know this uh, this this half part of the book, the Sophist, is about. um, It's just Plato uh, trying to find you know who is this Sophist. Um, so without further ado, uh, we'll get straight to it and we'll talk about, you know, whether or not being can be. All right, so let's get straight to it. Um, I typed up a lot of notes regarding this topic, so, you know, I'll just be reading it off. Um, but if you have the text, uh, like again, feel free to uh, turn to page 339. Uh, this is actually where Parmenides talks about, uh, you know, how we should we shouldn't think that not being can be. So this is page 339 uh and this is Stefanus line like 237 transitioning to 237b. And Parmenides he essentially says never let this thought prevail sathi or sayp that not being is but keep your mind from this way of investigation. So essentially he's he's saying, you know, don't go down this path. Don't think that not being is, right? Um so actually prior to the investigation of not being uh, and if you like i really don't want to spoil the entire uh dialogue of this office that's why i actually deleted one of the episodes because i didn't want to really discuss the final answer in this office because you know that's the whole point of the book that, that, that it spoils the entire thing so i'm just going to be focusing on not being and then next episode will be focusing on um being and not being founded found on the divided line but um actually in this office um it's an eleatic stranger uh as well as um theotetus so it's this back and forth conversation between uh the eleatic stranger and theotetus and basically the stranger is kind of like i wouldn't say he's like uh, socrates but he's the he's the main person like leading the conversation toward like finding this sophist as well as trying to understand whether or not being can be but prior to this investigation of not being um the eliotic stranger i'll just say the stranger uh the stranger in the sophist states that um the sophist is you know a man who believes he knows all things and can teach others for money presumably you know to teach the rich uh, the, you know the, the wealthy youth right and that, that's kind of what our idea of a sophist is um, somewhat today, I guess, when we think of a sophist or when I think of sophist, it's usually someone that's, you know, trying to get paid uh, to teach, uh, you know, presumably, you know, the youth or, you know, a wealthy youth stuff that isn't really true, right? Um, so, yeah, sure, they're a teacher, but they're not really teaching uh, the actual truth or the ideas, right? So... Uh, that's that's what the stranger says and he says how uh, the sophist is clearly like a kind of juggler uh, an imitator of realities noting that you know he has a kind of imitative art that is um, possible to deceive the youth with his words uh, while they you know just stand at a distance I, i have this in quotes stand at a distance from the realities of truth right so um He's a juggler. He's uh, not literally a juggler, but yeah, he's a juggler of imita- of imitation and he deceives the youth by uh, with his words by making it stand at a distance from you know the actual truth, the ideas, right. So when I think about this, I'm like, oh, so this is is this like mere opinions, right? Um, and' I'm just I'm just summarizing uh, from the beginning of, I guess of the book ish to now uh, and in hopes of you know capturing this office, uh, the Stranger extrapolates by, you know, dividing the imitative arts uh, into two forms. You have the likeness, which uh, concerns imitation by rule, proportion, length, breadth, depth, etc. Right, uh, And then you have the fantastic art, uh, which produces, you know, uh, let's see, uh, oh, appearance, but not likeness, right? However, uh, you know, The Stranger states how... It's very difficult to discern and to identify the Sophist even after this division, and how a person can't they can't say or think that falsehood really exists without ending up in a contradiction so upon um the stranger's investigation of not being with uh Theotitus, his buddy Thetus, they believe that you know not being cannot be, and that upon you know like further discussion, you know the sophist is uh trying to force them to believe otherwise right so that's essentially like the gist of it um and like again i already provided uh uh quote uh his, his uh caution that you shouldn't believe that not being can be um but before the saw so, uh, not the software before uh the stranger actually dives into this discussion found in uh page 339 uh, the stranger recalls this phrase, obviously, by permenides. Um, and I'll say it again. Never let the thought prevail, sath he, that uh, not being is. But keep your mind from this way of investigation. And the stranger lays out um, the claim that not being can't be applied to any being. And further, it, it could not properly be applied to something either. And he justifies this claim by... Saying that the word something must be some being, right? Some one thing. And says how if someone says not something, right? They must quite necessarily say absolutely nothing, right? So, like no- nothingness, right? You know, and, and then through this, he asserts that a person who says not something, undertaking, you know, not being, doesn't speak at all. He can't, he can't say anything at all if he says not something that is all to say that you know someone who says not something which implies them saying absolutely nothing since it has no it has no something it doesn't have oneness it means that the term not being literally cannot be applied to any being nor some being as the person saying not something you you can't say absolutely you say absolutely nothing right you can't speak about it at all right um and how can being applied to what is absolutely nothing like how can being be applied to nothing that's that makes no sense so theatitas thinks that you know the argument is pretty complex he's like this can't be any more perplexing than this um but he, the stranger he's like okay now let me give you another reason why uh, not being cannot be so in um the stranger's second line of reasoning the stranger asks uh shall we assert that to that which is not anything which is can be attributed and theetida says no no we can't and the stranger then brings forth the idea that you know all numbers are among things which are and that we ought not to attribute singular slash plural numbers to not being since numbers you know they concern those that are so then he further questions how you know how we could conceive not being you know apart from numbers and when saying things which are not or a thing which is not we actually like respectively attribute plurality and singularity to them and when you really think about it yeah it makes sense like to say these things which are not right or a thing which is not you're already attributing guess being right you're already attributing this plurality and singularity to them so uh, he reminds us that you know we agreed prior that you know it's it's not right uh, nor fair to undertake uh the attribution of being to not being and and if we can't apply numbers to not being uh you know knowing that numbers concern things that are you know not being cannot be concerned with things that are things of being and then the stranger further asserts that, you know, it is impossible to utter, to say, or to even think of not being. And this, this is like the famous, not the famous quote, but, you know, it would always be expressed uh, in class uh, that since it's impossible to utter, to say, or even to think, it's, it's inconceivable, inexpressible, unspeakable, and irrational, right? So we can't even talk about it. We can't even conceive about it. We can't even express about it. And uh, furthermore, it's irrational. And so since we can't even speak, think, nor attribute, um, attribute numbers to not being, you know, not being cannot be. And attributing numbers to not being would obviously lead us into some sort of contradiction as not being is just absolutely nothing. Whereas numbers are among things that are right so if we attribute you know numbers to not being yeah, it would lead us to a contradiction because no not being what did we say it's absolutely nothing it's inconceivable inexpressible unspeakable and irrational and numbers no they don't really fall into that category because they are things they you know they they concern things that are and you know in continuing this um he concedes that You know, refuting not being uh, uh, would actually lead to a potential contradiction as well. And the stranger talks about how, you know, when you attempt to refute not being, you're forced to actually contradict yourself, right? Uh, So this is in uh, Stephanus Lion 283E. And uh, he says, although I maintain that not being could have nothing to do with either... Uh, the singular slash plural number i spoke of just now and am still speaking of it as one you know which discusses how when we you know just spoke about not being he spoke of it as if it were you know just one i mean i thought you can't attribute any singular or plurality to it Uh, you know moreover you can't even attribute being to it so by him discussing how uh by by us just discussing about not being um right you know we spoke of it as if it was one and then he expresses how when you attach the verb to be so the infinitive uh, verb to be to not being he too was just contradicting himself you know as the verb implies a singular number you know a- yet as he spoke of it as irrational inexpressible right uh, unspeakable you know he also addressed not being as a singular right because he, he already attributed not being too irrational inexpressible like it is irrational inexpressible unspeakable right unexplainable right that's still attributing not being as a singular um and at this point the stranger is defeated and the stranger then uh, uh, asks whether Theaetetus could say something you know, correctly about not being without attributing any existence, unity or any plurality or singularity. And Theaetetus, you know, fails, and the stranger concludes that, you know, they and you know, they should just stop speaking about not being uh from here on out. And he confesses that the sophist obviously has uh, this is found in two thirty-nine C. The sophist has most rascally uh, fashion hidden himself in a place we cannot explore, right? It's just we can't reach him. Right? And in this part of the passage, it seems as if the stranger essentially has come to acknowledge that this contradiction that he, you know, just realized uh, may in fact be how the sophist has, you know, hidden himself in in a place we really can't touch, we can't find him, right? We can't even speak about him because uh, it leads us to a contradiction. So it seems as if the sophist has hidden himself in not being uh, since we can't even reach him, or uh, nor language can reach him, right? Because, uh, you know, how can we attribute not being uh, to being if uh, it leads us to contradiction? We can't really solve that. And since we can't reach him in not being, uh, I mean, we can't reach him in not being, you know, as not only do we end up in this tangled mess, uh, but like the stranger says, we can't even utter say or think uh, of not being as not being because not being is absolutely nothing. It's inconceivable. It's it. See, like what I'm saying right now, it is not being is inconceivable, inexpressible, unspeakable, and irrational. Right? So this further complicates how uh we can actually find the sophist. Like this is this uh this passage is actually found in like in the middle of uh the dialogue in the sophist and it kind of emphasizes how not only um has the sophist like hidden himself but we can't really proceed until we like try to find a solution i mean we we still proceed from here on out but it just adds another obstacle to our search for this office so through the discussion between the stranger and theetetus they come to realize that the term not being cannot be because not being is nothing you know a person who says not something says absolutely nothing and in discussing numbers, which, you know, concern things that are, the stranger reminds us that we cannot attribute, you know, singularity uh, slash, you know, plurality to not being. You know, moreover, he underscores that, you know, it's even impossible to utter, to, to say, to speak, or even to think of not being because not being is just inconceivable, you know, <laughs> this, this phrase that keeps on. Uh, getting repeated, inconceivable, inexpressible, unspeakable, and irrational, and through you know later acknowledging the contradiction about not being, um, as well as you know you know you can't really refute not being, uh, without <laughs> actually speaking about not being in uh, being and existence. Um, he comes to learn, or they come to learn, that the sophist has obviously hidden himself in a place where we can't even talk, think, or even find him, or you can't. You know, language cannot even touch him, because not being cannot be, as it is absolutely nothing. You know, thus we can't even say anything about no- nothing. So, the the big question of whether or not being can be, I guess, in this in this part of the book, I guess we have to conclude. I don't I don't know if it's uh, you know, definitive. I don't know if it's conclusive here, whether or not being can be. Uh, but if we actually do continue reading on the office, maybe there's a different answer. But for now, we know that not being cannot be because it's, you know, like, again, inconceivable, inexpressible, unspeakable, and irrational. So I really hope uh, you were able to follow along with me um, and learn more about, uh, you know, the stranger and Theaetetus speaking about Parmenides. Uh, prose and and verse regarding not being Uh, and i hope this question made sense to you if not uh, feel free to reread this passage because it is a bit uh complex and kind of confusing at times because um you know the uh, first of all like the translator uh kind of switches some words around so um it's kind of like confusing Uh, i'm trying to find like an instance where he does but yeah he does kind of switch some words around so um a- as well as just uh, the whole idea of not being and being and then and then later on in the passage you know uh, the stranger talks about otherness right. right sameness oneness something nothing right he's like can can otherness participate in sameness or can can being participate in sameness or otherness right So these questions that, you know, usually people, uh, you know, late people don't really think about in their everyday lives. Uh, Once you start reading this and you start considering the different perspectives of, uh, obviously, the stranger, um, as well as the you're able to, I guess, come to at least an answer. But obviously that answer is tentative until you uh, finish the entire uh, book. But I really hope you enjoyed this episode uh and like again if you would like to follow us on social media feel free to it's the sophium.podcast um and feel free to look out for our next episodes uh, regarding ancient philosophy so thank you so much and like again keep on thinking